Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchsel. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Uh, yeah, Golden Knights in action tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. Hey, looking forward to being out there tonight. Face off a little bit after 7 p.m. tonight. Golden Knights and the Red Wings at T-Mobile Arena. We got that tonight. And, of course, as you know, we're looking forward to the NFL playoffs, the divisional round. Coming up this weekend, tomorrow we'll be at the Westgate. Come on out, see the show live, 2 to 4 p.m. at the world-famous Superbook, the largest sportsbook in the entire world non-smoking too. You gotta love that. All right, so come on out, see the show live. Best bets tomorrow, Marco D'Angelo, myself, Jay Schrader, and uh, a cast of others, John Murray, the executive director of Racing Sports there at the Westgate. And I want to thank Jay Cornegay, of course, the VP of Operations for joining us last hour, as well as TJ Reeves from Tampa, uh, getting everyone updated on uh, what happened to Byron Lefwich and the other offensive coordinators that... Uh, Got uh, got let go this week as we uh, continue on with NFL playoff coverage. All right, so we've got all of that coming your way here uh, tomorrow and then, of course, this hour. But right now, joining us is our very good friend, our world-famous, I'm going to say world-famous, because recently inducted into the Broadcasters Hall of Fame, the one and only Brian Salmon from News 3, my guy. He was spotted. He was spotted at T-Mobile Arena just the other night wearing a beautiful gold VGK jersey, and everybody could see them. Why? Because he had the spotlight on him. He's cranking it. He's still in pain. He's been jabbing, sticking to the body in the gym, hitting the heavy bag. Oh, those wrists are really taped up now for cranking the horn. B-Sal, the VGK game the other night. Jump around, B-Sal. Jump around. House of pain. Let's go. Pack it up. Pack it up. Pack it up. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm hyped. Yeah. As you should be, man. You know how we do it here. Come on now. Oh, my God. TC, man, that's, that's the best intro ever. There we go. Hey, there man. we go. So so tell us how you were oh. feeling, man. How were you feeling when uh, you got the intro there uh, for my guy Mark Chinook? And, uh, yeah, and then uh, you start cranking away, man. Now, did you have a practice run? You know, when people sing the anthem, B-Sal, you know, they get a practice yeah. run. They get to audition. I mean, not audition. They, they, you know, they, they do a sound check earlier in the day. Uh, was that your yeah. first time cranking it, or did you get a, a, a pretrial? No, no, no. Well, right, maybe like a minute beforehand, uh, right behind there, they uh, like, this is a crank. You got to pull it this way. Go ahead here, just kind of get an idea, a feel of it. And she gave me that really quick, and then that was it. There it so is. I, I did get a, I did get a, an opportunity to actually touch it and see it before I got up there in front of a million people. So as you know, <laughs> and this is your first time doing it, right? Of, of course. I'm the first like media member that covers the team to ever do it. Oh, man. I'm jealous now. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> How did you work this out? Seriously. How did you work that? You had to pay Chinook under the table when you take him out to dinner? I mean, what? How did this come about, man? Uh, I'm not, well, I mean, I, maybe because I'm world famous. Maybe because... Uh, <laughs> I did say you that. Know. You're right. Of course. I know that. Yeah, yeah. You, you did say that. You did. I'm listening to you, man. I'm listening to you. Um, you know, honestly... It, it, it kind of tied in because that day it was a Martin Luther King uh, MLK day, right? Right. right. And um, I had hosted myself and Crystal Allen, who's one of the anchors at my station, like one of the best people in the world. Her and I co-emceed the uh, MLK day parade 
the 41st, 41st version of it here in Las Vegas. And we've done that like the last few years. So that was one of the things that, um, you can hear Chinook talk about that in my intro. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why he did it. And also, a little bit ago, I was inducted into the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame. You, you knew about that. That was like maybe a month or two, like two yep. months ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of tied that into it. And, and really, it kind of let the cat out of the bag, really, they had, they had in mind to ask me to do it next month during February. Obviously, February is a special month for folks like myself. It's Black History Month. Right. And they're going to do it for that because it, it almost ties in a lot more to that. But then they, they kind of uh, fast-forwarded a little bit, I guess, and had me come do it this time. So I was hey, crazy humbled. Like, I couldn't believe when they asked me to do it. I was like, wow, really? That, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. Absolutely, I'll do it. <laughs> that is cool, man. Now, again, I don't think the crowds, you know, bu- you know, doing it in front of eighteen thousand. But I was just, you know, wondering, did you did you think that thing would be, you know, easy to crank? Would it be hard to crank? Because again, you and I and everybody else, we always watch this from afar, and I know in my mind. I always think like, okay, how heavy is that thing? How, you know, I, you know, if, if I got a chance to do it, I mean, yeah, hey, would I struggle with this thing? Or, you know, I mean, we've seen guys really like spin it and you were spinning it pretty good, man. So kind of give us uh, the, the, the weight or how easy or how, how tough it was to get it cranking uh, initially. You know, what's funny. That is the question that everyone has asked me. <laughs> like, no one cares. I'm like, man, what's it like being in front of 18,000, 17,000 no, because people I don't because, because, okay, even though you're not in front of a live audience, but, you know, it's just like in, in our business, we're, we're talking in front of thousands of people all the time, whether it's live, in person, or, or you're on TV, the cameras. I mean, the cameras could be like, you know, a million people for, you know, for you. So I guess I don't think of that, you know, being a a fear a for you a, a big deal yeah but you're right you know it it probably is but uh again no. i don't think i don't see how you could really screw it up either I, i've never heard anybody get booed for cranking the horn well you know what i think they did boo who was it i think they did boo somebody that went super slow oh but, um, maybe okay I, I think they may have but yeah it was it it wasn't tight at all like it wasn't tight at all okay. and i could i could find i can kind of vaguely remember like someone getting up there and barely doing the thing and actually the thing like falling off. Yeah, right. I remember when it wasn't, remember like it yes. wasn't nailed down for a yes. little bit. And yes. someone did that. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't want to be that person. It's nailed down or whatever. It's, it's, it's secure. So it's not going anywhere. And it wasn't all that tough. And you know, I've been working out a little bit, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this, this guy. So <laughs> talking about the, where he's working out. So the last time I saw b we're sitting next to each other at the UNLV game, right? And there he is. He's, he's, you know, editing his highlights. He's getting ready to go on the news at, you know, at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. But he spent more time, you know, showing me, hey, l- l- look at my jab here. Hey, l- look at my hook here in the heavy bag. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Hey, uh, b don't you got to prepare for your, for your sports cast a little bit later? You know? Yeah. But, but, but check out, but check out this, check out my footwork here. I mean, there you go. Yeah, you used to spend a lot of time in the gym, and I think you've been spending a lot of time in the mirror. You and Muhammad Ali looking in the mirror a lot while you're training. Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty, man. That's what Muhammad Ali he taught me that, man. Let folks know how pretty you are. So, no, I, I, you know what, man? I just came from the gym today. Um, I, I'll say this because I remember you looked at the video and and the video of me like hitting the bag and all that stuff. That was after I at the very end of my training and everything else. It's like super slow. You know, you just got a little, some heavy back stuff. is more power than yeah, anything. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't super slow. No, you again. That was after a workout, and that's how a lot of guys end their workout with the, with the heavy bag, and that's what you see. So no, no, I, I I was impressed. I was impressed. You don't have to. You don't have to downplay <laughs> it and make excuses like I thought that you were some tired old man that didn't belong in the ring. I'm, not, I'm the guy that's been pimping you out. I'm the guy that's saying you got to have that walkout song. I said you have to have your hype man. You have to bring me in your ring announcer. I'm the guy. Be sound nobody else is pimping you out like me no i don't no one is pimping me out like you how about this did you i don't know if you, if you saw the post that i put out on instagram it was a picture of jesse and i jesse and i together and we were sparring this day but yeah. it's just a still shot of jesse and i and i think on there i said something like any media members want to uh, come get work any want to work yeah they just you know come work out or whatever and um i don't know if you know who uh I'll, I won't say his name, 
but there's a there's a media member who works at Lotus who's a you know pretty buff little pretty buff kid yeah. and he's somewhat athletic or whatever and he's like man I, I want to come he just DM me I want to come and uh, I was like absolutely come out so he came out this past I, week I and, already uh, know who this is that's that's hilarious I'm cracking up I'm smiling as you're telling the stories I already know who you're yeah, talking yeah. about go ahead yeah, so he told me he wanted to come out and he comes out and um, <laughs> so and this was a day that so I, I sparred with our resident pro his guy's name is Ray he's good Ray Vega look him up on Instagram you can see some stuff with me and him He's, so I sparred two I sparred three rounds with him, three three minute rounds with him, and then at the end of the day, this media member he gets in the ring, he hit pads with um with Wayne and did all that kind of stuff, and then you know Wayne's like you want to move around with him, that's what Wayne said, yeah, the Irishman, you want to move around, that means spar. So anyway, you get in the ring, and <laughs> and uh, so obviously I'm not going to hit him, I'm not trying to work him over and then that stuff, but he was throwing like some pretty hard shots, like he's he's really trying to hit me, and I'm just kind of working on my defense. I will say this, like, he didn't hit me once <laughs> while we were in the ring. Like, he didn't come close to touching me. And um, at one point, I finally, uh, I was like, let me go ahead and I'll throw, like, I'll, I'll go ahead and hit him with one shot. Like, I, you know, I, and I just threw, like, a jab to his body. <laughs> I jabbed him to the body. Like, I'm like, boom, hit him with a, it wasn't, it wasn't hard at all. It's like, oh, it almost <laughs> It was priceless. It was priceless. And you loved and it. The, and you loved I, it. Be it, honest. Yeah. It was just it was just because like, he's my guy. He's good people. And he and for him coming out, I told him, man, I appreciate you coming out. It was brave of you coming out because people think it's easy and think it like, man, I'll go over there and I'll go put it on him and everything else. And it's not even close to being that. And I, I will tell you unequivocally, there's not a media member in this market that would get in the ring with me and last around. So I'm, I'm going to say about the the media guy that you're talking about. Let's let's be clear here, be sad. Now he's got you uh, by about I would say probably about 35, 40 pounds at least, and he's got you by 25 years. He's 25 years older than you, B. Sal. No, 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 no. He's he's, he's 25 years younger than me. <laughs> he's 25 years younger than me, and he he does have me by 20 pounds. Okay. There were things. Okay. I'm on the other end of the spectrum there. I, th- I was thinking about somebody else, but okay. Okay. So now, no. Okay. I got you. No. Yeah. That's so, I mean, he's, a, he's an athletic kid. And, you know, he, he thought he could really do it. And at, at the end of this one round, one round, he was literally in the corner, like hunched over, like dying. Oh. Dying. Not because of the punch. The punch kind of set him back. But I had to back off. Like, are you okay? I'm like, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to hit you like that. But, um, he was just that one round, like almost killed him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so mind you, I wasn't breathing hard at all, and this was my fourth round of the day. I started already. Yeah, three but, rounds you, with but come on, you're in that gym, you know, working out what four or five days a week. Well, in that gym, I do it like three times. Yeah. I do like two okay. That's at upset. my other gym. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, so again, uh, update us. Uh, when when is a big fight? When, when, when's it happening? And Brian Selman. Is uh, in a charity boxing match. Uh, looking forward to it. It's and- not a charity boxing match. It's an amateur. It's a real sanctioned amateur That's true. fight. That's true. That's true. Amateur. Yeah. Say it's a sanctioned fight. You're right. It's not. So we're yeah. This is the real deal. And that's why he's taking it it's so USA serious. USA boxing. Yes, USA boxing sanctioned fight. <laughs> Crazy, right? There you go, Rock. Um, but it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. February twenty fifth, twenty sixth. I'll be in there. Ooh, I'm doing a little, little uppercut for you right now, TC. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now, at, oh. at, at, at any point during any of your broadcasts, you know, Sunday sports night, have you, like, sent it to the break with you, like, doing, like, you know, a little shadow boxing or a little flurry? You got to do that. Because no. You got to do it? <laughs> no. no. I, I, I'm, I, no. I haven't said it. I haven't said anything about it on air before. Like, yeah. I, I don't – Afterwards, I will as long but as I, I don't I know get Jim and Maria. Out. Jim and Maria, as it gets closer, maybe like your last broadcast before, you know, they're going to say something, and that's what you should do. And you just, you know, you'd blow people away, they man. No, but well, <laughs> they they need to know like a, a week a week ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? There it is, man. A week ahead. You, they got a week ahead. you got You got to pump this up, man. I mean, I can't be the only guy pumping this up. I mean, your cohorts they got to support you, man. No, I appreciate that. I, I'll pump it up with folks that, that are in the media that are outside of my station. Jesse knows. Like, a couple of people at my station know. But um, 
But I don't. I'm not gonna put it over the air or anything like that until afterwards. Like afterwards, right. I will. Uh, as long again, as long as I don't get knocked out cold by somebody. But yeah. I, I don't know if if you talk to Wayne and you know Wayne McCauley. If you yep. talk to Wayne and talk to the guy who I spar, the guy's name is Ray. Um, it, they would be shocked if I didn't get in there and do pretty well against someone who's an amateur. Dude, I, I know you're going to do like, great. You're going to do fantastic. I hope so. No doubt. No doubt about yeah. it. All right, man. So uh, <laughs> Brian Salmon, again, he's in the gym. Uh, he's he's making his amateur boxing debut on February 26th. I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, he was cranking the horn at the T-Mobile Arena earlier in the week. Uh, that was crazy. There you go. That was crazy. VGK tonight, man, uh, against uh, the, the Wings. Uh, give us a, give us a take, man, uh, about this VGK team thus far. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll be live out there, man. Um, VGK, man, they're no longer the best team in the Western Conference. They've fallen behind. They've lost three or four games. Uh, they're at game number six of a seven game homestand and they're two and three right now. So they haven't been, you know, I've been playing well. Uh, their head coach talked about Cassidy talked about the fact that they need to play better at home. They're only one game over 500. I want to say on home ice and then like 80%, 800 on the roads, which is not going to get it done. So tonight is a, is a big game. They can't finish the seven game homestand with a losing record. Can't do that. I know. They got to win the last two games. Yeah, and and they should win tonight. They're they're favorite uh, from from a betting standpoint. A dollar sixty five favorites uh, tonight. But we've seen this before. Where, like you said, they have not. Uh, you know, they have lost at home. And uh, but uh, you know, time for this team to get a little bit more healthy. So uh, Martinez will yeah. be back tonight. So that'll be good. So we'll see. We, they need them. Yeah, let's we'll see what happens tonight. Okay, getting back over to the hardwood. Uh, mentioned UNLV. And uh, this uh, Rebel team, man, started out 10-0, and but now in conference play, B-Sal 1-5, and and they took another hard loss against uh, Utah State up in Logan a few nights ago, and uh, that was uh, a game where UNLV fell behind early, came back, looked like they were in control there at the end, and uh, again, Utah State made some big shots and Utah State ends up winning seventy four to seventy one uh, in that game. Uh, give give me some thoughts about where the Rebels are at right now. It's all bad right now, unfortunately. I mean, a lot of people. I hate even saying this. It seems like a lot of people, media members, were almost wishing for the downfall. You know, hey, they're not as good as the record says they are, and everything else. And um, I mean, they've really fallen on some hard times. They've lost some close games. Thankfully, Kruger hasn't necessarily. He hasn't lost the team where they're getting blown out by teams for the most part. Um, even though that game with uh, Boise State didn't look good. But uh, the last few games, they've at least fought. But what, one in, one in five in, in yeah, conference? Right. I mean, that's not good at all. That's not good at all. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if they can get themselves a nice little streak and kind of get their confidence back, because that's really what it is. Their confidence is just shot. Um, in that game up at Utah State, if you look at the box score, I want to say that they only had one starter in double figures, maybe two. I know McCabe off the bench was in double figures. Yeah, they only had one starter in double figures. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is uh, um, uh, Kenyon, or not Kenyon, but uh, Keyshawn Gilbert. Keyshawn Gilbert. Gilbert. Yep. Yep. The only starter in double figures. Like, that's that's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. So, I'm feeling for, you know, we all pull for the running Rebels. We want them to do well. So, Maybe like last season, we have to um, turn our attention to the undefeated Rebels who have a game tonight in Wyoming against the second uh, number two team in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, the lady, you know what I'm talking about. Lady Rebels. Yeah, Lindy Rock, <laughs> yeah. our girl. I mean, she's doing a great job uh, again. They went to the tournament last year. Uh, they should be in the tournament and probably will be in the tournament again, the NCAA tournament. So, you know, we look forward to that. But, yeah, it, it, you know, that, that is disturbing. And you are, you know, right when you say there, there's probably some media members. And the, the, I don't know why they, they would root against the Rebels. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I hate to hear that. I mean, that, that that's horrendous. I mean, why, why would you, you know, Want for a downfall be, I because told you so. it's, it's garbage, but I don't get it. I mean, especially yeah. with Kevin Kruger. Okay, at that point in time when Kevin Kruger was hired, I don't know about you, but I I said it. I said I love the hire. I know Kevin doesn't have any head coaching experience, but we see this a lot in 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 college sports, college basketball, all sports for that matter, where you you'll take a chance on a guy 
And of course, you know, the tutelage under his dad, Lon Kruger, and the Rebels at that point in time were really at an all-time low as far as the revolving door of coaches and the bad seasons they've had. And Kevin Kruger accounted, gave a good account of himself last year. Kevin Kruger is not a bad coach. He can he can recruit. So for anybody to root against one of their own, and that's the worst part. I know he was here just for one year, but then he was under TJ Osselberger's staff as an assistant. I mean, everyone loves Lon Kruger. I mean, anybody that wants to root against Kevin Kruger, shame on them. I mean, that it doesn't make any sense. You gotta support, you know, uh, a young coach like that. You gotta support him, especially Kevin has been nothing but gracious and nice to every media member here in town. So that upsets me when when you say that, and I'm not saying that you're wrong about that, but but man, if if, if that's what you're about and you're in the media, then get out, man. That's just unprofessionalism. Sorry, man. I had to say. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. I I I can't agree with you more. I can't agree with you more. And yeah, I mean, Kevin's a good dude, and um, I mean, most everyone for the most part wishes him well and wants the team to do well and all that. So, but you know, there's. There's some snickerings of the whole, I, you know, I told you so, no experience. Just all the stuff that you just kind of ran down. So um, I think they bounced back. Still, he had a better record his first year than his dad did. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's something to bank on. And this season, regardless of how it is now, I will predict that the team is going to bounce back and um, finish 500, at least 500 or better in the Mountain West Conference. How about that? I, I hope so. And again, they've really, really only played one soft team to this point, and they lost, unfortunately. That was the first game of the Mountain West Conference season of, of San Jose State. But they have played a pretty tough schedule uh, you know, thus far. And give them credit. I mean, they went on the road and, and beat New Mexico, and not many teams have done that. So, uh, yeah. So the schedule has been a little bit tough for them, so hopefully they can turn together. And it seems like the attitude of the guys is is, is still pretty strong as well, too. So, Hopefully it works out for UNLV. All right, B. Sal, Brian Salmon joins us, uh, our favorite sports director here in town at News 3. <laughs> B. Sal. Favorite sports director? Yeah, oh. no, no question. Okay. And, and I, I, I like others. I know, I like those guys too. So, you know, but uh, you're my guy. Hey. Uh, okay, okay. What, B. Sal, a little, little uh, flashback here for you. What were you doing? Okay. What were you doing on this day 21 years ago? Do you remember where you were? January 19th, um, 2002. Well, 2002. I bet I know what you're referring to, but I have no idea. I bet I know what you're referring to, but I don't. I I was probably watching the game, watching that game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, it is. Then you're in tune, baby. There it is, man. (laughs) Raiders and Patriots, 2001 AFC divisional playoff game. The fumble. Was it a fumble? The tuck rule. Yeah, today. Today. Today, 21 years ago today. Isn't that crazy, man? Crazy. In the, in the snow. Super crazy. I thought you might have yeah. been back there, man. But no, you're still you're still youngster in Valley Joe at that time. Uh, no, man. I was uh, working at CNN Sports Illustrated in Atlanta, Georgia. You're in Atlanta. Okay. So, but you did spend time up there uh, in Boston, and you've been to Foxborough. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I didn't I, know that Portland. was my home stadium. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, that's good stuff. Hating life. Uh, all right. Cold weather. So oh. with the Raiders, obviously things are kind of quiet now and will be for a while. Uh, but uh, Raiders got a lot of lot of decisions uh, to make here, and, it, and of course, you know, uh, Derek Carr spoke um, at church. You know, over the weekend, we talked a little bit about that uh, yesterday. Some quick thoughts uh, about the Raiders, uh, the the season wrap up, and and what do you think happens next? Man. Well, first thing first, what, February 15th is the date that they have to do something uh, about Derek Carr. So I don't think anything happens maybe a day or two before that. Something happens. But I think this is, Jesse and I had this conversation on air in our little Beyond the Three segment that we, we run. It's kind of like a podcast. Style. Basically, my belief is the first choice is Tom Brady. Second choice is um, Jimmy Garoppolo. After that, not quite sure what they do, but um, I think they try to go after Tom Brady, and ugh. and if they can do that, I think they'll do well because Tom Brady won't get paid a ton, and he'll allow them to save some money and try to find somebody on defense because that's really what their problem is. Maybe an offensive lineman, but mainly defense. If they can get themselves a defense, you get Brady with a healthy Waller, a healthy Renfro, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs, and they have to re-sign him. 
They have to re-sign him, but he's not going to give him a discount. So we'll see. Exactly. Maybe he, they franchise not. him. All right. So I'm, maybe I'm franchise gonna, him. I'm going to I'm going to take uh, the devil's advocate side here. Okay. Now, if you're okay. Tom, if you're Tom Brady, why would you want to play for the Raiders? And 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 I'll, and I'll preface it by this. Okay. Brady knows the struggles that this organization currently has and then they've had. And as a quarterback, especially a 46-year-old quarterback that will be next year, wouldn't you think, I mean, his two main concerns, I mean, if I'm in his shoes, I'm thinking, or any quarterback at this point where I've accomplished everything, A, I want a chance to win a Super Bowl immediately. I want to be with an organization that doesn't have any, you know, scrutiny, any problems. But more importantly, I need an offensive line that I'm going to be standing upright. And that doesn't, this is one of the worst offensive lines in all of football, B Sal. And it, they didn't address it last year. I, there's no way I can see Brady coming here. And, you know, people go, oh, it's Vegas and this and that. No I mean, way. Throw that. I, well, no, I really don't. I really don't for those reasons. Uh, I mean, why, okay. why would he? I mean, Tampa Bay made all the sense in the world because he was going to a team that was a perennial playoff team and he had good weapons around him. And, he, and at that time, he had a good offensive line. He had a coach that he connected with. Okay. So I, I don't know. Uh, I just don't see I'll it. Say, well, I mean, this would be. If, if that were the discussion, this would be the, the comeback would be one Tampa Bay. They weren't necessarily any good with Jameis Winston. I don't even know if they made the playoffs with Jameis Winston leading up to that. They did have very good offensive weapons. I think it was almost yeah. exactly similar. The only difference was the defense for Tampa Bay was much, much better. Right. Cause the Raiders defense is terrible. Yeah, that's what I'm the saying. The I mean, line, I he, guess was yeah. okay. It was a playoff but, ready team and they just needed a quarterback. And especially with Bruce Arians, that's, you know, you don't think the Raiders are the same thing? A playoff ready team? No, they're not. One year removed from the playoffs? No, because you got to remember, okay, I, I'm going to say that was a courtesy, you know, playoff appearance last year. <laughs> it was. I mean, okay, you, Jesse, you, you, is that what he says? <laughs> But no, come on, well, B-Sal. No, but I mean, he, I mean he, he talks about the fact they won so many close games that uh, year and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, <laughs> it's not a perennial playoff team. It's it, it just, you know, again, it, there's a lot of instability. We all want them to win. I mean, granted, come on. But two playoff appearances in the last 20 years? that Does that scream Tom Brady wow. or Aaron Rodgers wants to come here? I, no, I mean, really. It does not scream Aaron Rodgers absolutely in no way in the world he's coming here. Yeah. But I think... Brady and his connection to Josh McDaniels, they, they only won they only won six Super Bowls together. I get <laughs> it, but it's not like Brady was bound to Josh McDaniels. Again, no one talked about Josh McDaniels when they're winning those Super Bowls. It was Brady and Belichick. You know that, right? It was Brady and Belichick. No one's talking about McDaniels. And when McDaniels went bye-bye, what out? What happened? They still won. When McDaniels well, they, took the uh, job. No. You no, know? they didn't they didn't. They didn't win a Super Bowl with him. Well, but my point is they, when he was gone. But they were still, I mean, an elite team. You know, when McDaniels they, was they gone, they were. Yeah. They were. Well, he was good enough to get a to parlay his relationship with the Patriots and Tom Brady into getting the job. And think about this: he was good with um. He got me defending Josh McDaniels. What, what, is, what the heck is going on here? Um, <laughs> he was good with um with Matt Jones, right? Like the year that right. last year. Matt Jones was good, and then he leaves, and, you know, Belichick has Patricia doing the offensive coordinator role, and, and Jones is horrible. Yeah, so That was a mess. <laughs> but I, I do agree that it, I think it, it's somewhat of a long shot, but I think that's the Raiders' first choice. Whether or not it's Brady's first choice is a different story, but I think it's the Raiders' first choice. You know, I, and I get that. And again, I'm just looking at the other side because it takes two to tango. And, you know, Brady is going to have to sign off. Uh, he's like, okay, I, I want to be here. And he's going to be interviewing them more so than the Raiders would be interviewing him. And I think, you know, that it, at this point of, of his career, if he wants to come back and play, he, if you're Tom Brady, you only want to come back and play if you have pristine conditions, right? I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. You're not going to take a flyer no, I, on a team that's six and 11. And, and it's like, okay. I mean, you know, again, I thought the Tampa Bay situation was kind of tailor made for him. I mean, that was a team that had, a, you know, both sides of the ball. And it's like, okay, there may be Tom Brady and maybe, you know, Gronkowski away from winning the Super Bowl. I just, I just don't see that with the Raiders. But anyway, we hope so, man. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we do hope. All right. We wish and dream. What do you got coming up, man? Pump away, man. Let's go. Hey, I will be at the Golden Knights tonight, man. Yep. Golden Knights. 
They're taking on the Red Wings. I'm live out there. And also, I'll have the uh, UNOV Lady Rebels as they're in Wyoming, man. I got to have those highlights. Got to watch that game as well. So that's a big thing I have going up. And how about this? Remember, the XFL coming to Las Vegas. It's crazy. Hall of Famer, Ron Woodson, they're practicing down in Texas right now. They have their media day Friday at Circa. So we're going to have Jesse will have some of that. Desert Dogs, they're on our sister station, the lacrosse team. They're, they're not playing very well, but the games are exciting. And they play again on Friday. So we got a lot going on, man. You need, As we always you do. need more time, brother. We got you need more time on that TV. You better tell uh, the powers of me. Hey, we got too many sports. Uh, I need more time. Give me give me uh, an extra ninety seconds, please. All right. <laughs> yes, please. Can I get that? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, all right, peace out. We'll let you get back to the gym, man. Appreciate it, as always. Great stuff. You do a fantastic job, and, and way to represent the media uh, with cranking the horn. I'm very serious about that. That's uh, it was very cool. Did a fantastic job, man. Man, I, I appreciate that, CC, man. Again, that was crazy humbling. I, it was a lot of fun. And uh, folks like you, man, make me feel good for getting that opportunity to do that, man. So thank you. you I got appreciate it, bro. That. That's what we're here for, man. Support each other. All right, Brian. Take care, bro. We'll catch you next week. All right, my man. CC, be good. There it is. B. Sal, my guy. The sports director of Vert News 3 does a great job. Him, Jesse Merrick, and the crew there. We come back. Hey, Andy Isco is going to join us. We start handicapping all four games this weekend. Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. Golden Knights in action tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Knights, a $1.65 favorite uh, in that game. I look forward to that tonight. And don't forget, tomorrow... We'll be at the Westgate. Come on by, see the show live at the world-famous Superbook. Jay Cornegay joined us today via the phone. Tomorrow, John Murray will join us out there. Marco D'Angelo, Jay Schrader, best bets, and a whole lot more coming your way tomorrow for a Football Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Right now, it's time to visit uh, with our good friend Andy Isco, The Logical Approach, the author of The Logical Approach newsletter, and uh, been doing it since 1982 right here in Las Vegas. Andy, what's going on, my friend? Well, you, you had me moving here about a decade earlier than I did. I moved here in 1991, but that's still over 30 years, and it's Dang. a long time, and uh, I've loved being here in Las Vegas, the great experience, especially back uh, when, I, when I came uh, in 91. We were sort of in the transition period between old Las Vegas and corporate Las Vegas, so I'm glad that I was able to at least experience a few years of, uh, of old Las Vegas before things uh, made the transformation. So uh, my fault, Andy, you're right. I, I, I said I meant, uh, you know, 92, uh, 91. It's actually, uh, you know, but I came in 92. You and I came about the same, the same time. You came one year before I did. And then, of course, I, I left and came back again. But, uh, no, I remember, remember those days very, very well. And, uh, hey, not to be like the get off my lawn, you know, type of guy, but man, those are some great times when we were back here in the 90s, man. Some, some very good times, especially from the sports book perspective as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you had, oh, I don't know how many properties, but most of them were unaffiliated. In fact, yep. uh, you go back to those days, uh, you could not necessarily uh, cash wagers made at uh, one Boyd property at another Boyd property or things like that. All of that has changed. You had the, uh, I, when I got here, it was still after, it was after the handwritten tickets, but we still had the old chalkboards, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was a great experience to learn from, and it's something, unfortunately, that uh, the people coming into the sports betting market place today we'll never have a chance to enjoy and compare and uh, as you know we were uh, we were the sportsbook directors were very liberal with their comps back in those days as you well know Andy very liberal with the comps and we had some some great uh, food joints that we could go to and late night food jo uh, joints as well too back in the day Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember many nights uh, doing the Stardust line yep. from 10 to midnight on Saturday nights and then going over to, uh, what was it, Cocoa Palms, the uh, coffee shop, <laughs> something like this, something along those yeah. lines. And yeah. then uh, William B's, the restaurant, or yeah. Tony Roma's, yep. which was in there. A lot of really great restaurants back then. And unfortunately, uh, well, they've been replaced by good restaurants, but different ambiance. Yeah, very true. All right, Andy, uh, how the playoffs have been treating you so far here after uh, the, whatever we want to call it, the super wild card round? 
I, I actually had a fine weekend uh, uh, with the uh, with the sides uh, sort of split out on the totals, but a couple of them were very close. Uh, you know, I, I always like to point out the difference between fortunate and lucky. Uh, I had Jacksonville. I was lucky in that one. If you had Buffalo, because you know, by all rights, they should not have won that game down twenty-seven nothing. Okay, and because the line was two and a half, um, they probably shouldn't have even covered in that one. So that I, I, that's like a definition of lucky. Definition of fortunate is if you had Buffalo on the money line and they're up early, but late in the game in the fourth quarter, they're hanging on to that three-point lead, and Miami had two possessions to either tie the score or take the lead, and Buffalo held them both times. So Buffalo was fortunate in holding on. I wouldn't say they were lucky to hold on. They were fortunate to hold on, as opposed to Jacksonville, lucky to uh, to come back and not just cover, but uh, win the game outright. And uh, uh, the other games, um, the, the, the Giant-Minnesota game was interesting because the Giants, after they traded touchdowns early, the Giants basically took the lead and were either ahead or tied the rest of the way. They played extremely well against the Minnesota team that I'm not going to say that they were uh, overrated, but because they won those 11 one score games, they were much better in the win-loss column than their uh, record suggested. So I was not surprised to see Minnesota go down last week. As far as uh, Baltimore-Cincinnati, it's a typical AFC uh, North game. And interestingly, of course, they uh, they played late in the season. And in both in both of those games, depending upon when you bet the Ravens or when you bet the uh, Bengals, you could have either won both, lost both, or gone one and one because the closing line was very close to the final score in uh, last week's game. And in uh, the, uh, the regular season game, it uh, opened, I think, around six and a half or seven, ended up going up to uh, 11 and a half. And I think they won that one by 11. So a number of interesting games from last week. Uh, I was not surprised with San Francisco, with um, Dallas uh, beating Tampa Bay. This was not the same Tampa Bay team that we've seen in years past, even with Brady. He struggled most of the season. So I was on Dallas, and it was as much a play on Dallas uh, as it was against Tampa Bay. And uh, I know the league might have liked to see Tom Brady make it, but he's not the same quarterback. And I know that there's a lot of talk about him coming to the Raiders. And I'm thinking the Raiders, they're not really in a win-now mode. I think they need to be looking towards the future, a year or two down the road to be a contender uh, and uh, to turn things over to a guy who might just have one or two years left. I'm not sure that that's the smartest decision to be made when you're looking at two, three years and trying to be, uh, let's call it a perennial contender in a division where it looks as though Kansas City and the uh, Chargers are set to be contenders uh, into the foreseeable future. Nope, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Andy Isco joins us. And you mentioned uh, the beginning there about the money line, like with the Bills and a lot of people, you know, they don't want to play money lines, you know, when you have a, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 point favorite, you know, the Bills closed it at 14. I'm curious, in your handicapping, do you play many money lines and are you an advocate of, say, a money line parlay when you do get like, like to me, this is a great weekend if you don't want to lay eight and a half with the Chiefs or, you know, um, you know, five with the Bills or whatever. It's, it's, it's really good money line parlay action where you could actually turn around to either, you know, turn into an even money bet or even, you know, plus money, depending on which game you hook it to, whether it's Kansas City, Philadelphia or Kansas City, Buffalo. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the first thing I'll say about the teasers, I, I will never tease across, or I, say, I won't say never, rarely, if ever, will I tease across zero because in the playoffs, you're giving up one number that comes in very infrequently during the regular season. There are only two ties in the regular season when uh, uh, the point spread lands uh, zero. Well, it can't land zero uh, in, uh, in a, uh, uh, the final score cannot land zero in a playoff game. So you're giving up one number, whether you're playing a six, uh, six and a half or seven point, uh, uh, well, six or seven point teaser because final scores can't end in half points. So that's one thing I won't do. As far as the money line parlay versus a teaser, uh, one of the reasons I don't like to parlay big favorites in there is that although they are more likely, much more likely than not to, to win the game, like for example, Buffalo last week, when you compute, let's say you do a, uh, let's say you do, for whatever reason you do a five team money line parlay, and you're laying like uh, maybe 250, 260, 300, and then you're laying minus 800. 
Figure out what the fourteen parlay pays without that my, that that big favorite, and then figure out what it pays with the big favorite, and you find out that even though the risk may be minimal, the amount of return that the amount of increased return that you get from paying those decent sized money lines with the ex- uh, favorites with a huge money line favorite, I'm not sure that you can justify uh, the risk for that because uh, look, we almost saw it happen last week with uh, uh, with uh, with Buffalo that that could have destroyed a lot of parlays, and you were going to be laying a huge money line price. So, you know, don't you don't want to get too greedy? But uh, I, I normally look first to uh, look to tease through uh, the key numbers of a seven eight on the upside and down below uh, uh, four and three on the uh, on the downside. All right, let's take a look at these games real quick. Andy Jacksonville and Kansas City. The Chiefs sitting at eight and a half right now. Total around fifty three. Uh, who do you like and why here? Kansas City in this uh, spot. Uh, it was in the middle of the season that these teams met. In fact, uh, uh, Kansas City, they've won five straight and 10 of 11. So this was uh, one of those winning streaks in the middle of the season. Uh, they hosted the uh, uh, the Jags, they were nine and a half point home favorites. They won the game 27 to 17, so it goes down as a point spread cover by a half point, but they really dominated that game statistically. They outgained the Jaguars 486 to 315. Uh, that's 171 yards. And, and what I look at even more on a yards per play basis, uh, which tells you how efficient they've been when they had the ball. Some teams might run 50 plays, some teams might run 65 plays in a game. On a yards per play basis, it was 7.8 for the Jags and 5.2. For the uh, seven point eight for the Chiefs, five point two for the Jaguars. The reason the game was close: uh, Kansas City minus three in uh, in turnover. So they really dominated uh, that first game, and they're actually laying a little bit less than they did at minus eight and a half versus the minus nine and a half. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe he uh, just had those first half jitters. He played well in the second half. Uh, Kansas City, we know the great record that uh, Andy Reid, the coach, has had both with Philadelphia and with the Chiefs. I think the rest does Kansas City. Uh, a great deal of good. They catch Jacksonville. I'm not going to say Jacksonville is going to be flat or not motivated. Clearly, you don't need motivation for revenge uh, for that first meeting. Uh, you just need motivation because you win and you advance in the playoffs. That's all that you really need. So I don't think uh, the fact that they lost earlier. I just think Kansas City is the much better team right now. They're well-rested. And this should be one of their best efforts of the playoffs. And if you look at uh, what Kansas City has done, uh, you know they've been scoring 30 points with a great degree of regularity over the entire Entirety of the uh, of the season, and that might be enough for them to get something like a thirty-one seventeen type win. If there is a popular dog out there in this round, Andy, it's probably the Giants, and they're getting seven and a half against Philadelphia. We know that you know people love teams that uh, have played well at the end of the season, and then go against teams that have struggled a little bit towards the end of the season. We've seen that with the Eagles, you know, losing two out of the last three games, losing to uh, New Orleans and Dallas. And do you get the feeling here that this? Eagles team could be one of those teams that, you know, maybe uh, might be a little bit overrated, especially the way they played down the stretch. About overrated. I, I like the fact that they played uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, in the final game of the regular season against the Giants because he had been out for a few games. And knowing that they were going to have a bye this week with a win, uh, that uh, I don't know that they wanted to have Hurts be sitting out about a month before he sees live, sees live action again. They didn't have too many run plays for Hurts, which makes a lot of sense because that's where he's more likely to get re injured, if at all. So I think Philadelphia played it smart, but still don't know if Hurts will be uh, 100%. One thing that the Eagles did very well this year is uh, they led the NFL with 70 defensive sacks, which uh, could be an issue against Daniel uh, Jones and the uh, uh, and the Giants. But if you look at Philadelphia overall in turnovers, which is something I like to look at, their turnover uh, margin, Philadelphia in the first half of the season was plus 13. Second half of the season, they were minus 5, so they did not have the same sort of uh, turnover success uh, over the second half of the season that they uh, did earlier. Giants were pretty decent. They uh, they were amongst the top teams in the league in avoiding turnovers all season. I think they had just 16 uh, turnovers that they uh, uh, that, that they uh, that they lost, which is pretty remarkable for a team that uh, relied on the quarterback who was not held in high esteem before the season began. I think uh, uh, that uh, uh, Jones has uh, certainly increased his value, and most likely, I'm going to guess, will return to the uh, to the Giants next year. I think the Giants have a chance to uh, keep it close. What's interesting uh, in you. If you look at uh, uh, the history 
of third meetings in the divisional round of the playoffs. This is just the seventh time, I think it's been since divisional realignment in 2002, that a divisional round games is the third matchup between teams. Underdog is 4-2 and two straight up, 5-1 and one, uh, ATS. All of those games, as will this one be, on the road for the underdog. That may just be indicative of the great familiarity that these division rivals have, that Philadelphia, because they won the first two games, less likely to make changes uh, than the Giants are, who had success. What I liked about the Giants in that in that uh, 22-16 losses, they were down big in the fourth quarter, and even though they were backups that were playing, they did not uh, quit, and they made a game of it, and if I recall correctly, I think they had a possession late in the game when they were down by six, so Philadelphia, which needed the win to wrap up the division, was in a little bit of danger. Not sure how much that impact that has this week, but I do think the Giants are able to keep this game uh, game competitive. Now, those are Saturday games, and we look at Sunday's games. Uh, probably one of the most anticipated games, Andy, it definitely was three weeks ago uh, with Cincinnati and Buffalo, and of course, we all remember uh, what happened there with DeMar Hamlin, and now these teams will actually meet in Buffalo, and Buffalo uh, is favored by five, even five and a half at some places. Uh, give me some thoughts on, uh, we know that Cincinnati's got a banged-up offensive line. They, they were banged up weeks ago, and now they're even more banged up uh, going against Buffalo, who really, you know, underperformed last week. And as, as you as you mentioned, you know, just uh, almost almost uh, fortunate enough uh, to be advancing on here. Yeah, the offensive line had played well for much of the season, especially over the second half of the season. If you look, if you break the season down into uh, two components, games one through nine, and then games ten through uh, the end of the regular season, uh, the. Burrow and the quarterbacks were, were sacked 32 times in those first nine games, just 16 times uh, the rest of the regular season. Of course, last week uh, was a little bit of a different game as well. Uh, the, the the key to me in this game uh, may be Buffalo's ability to run the football being much better than Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's offensive advantage is in the uh, overall quality of the uh, receiving game. What I like about Cincinnati quite a bit, here's a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, they played their best football at the end of the season to make it all the way through the playoffs into the Super Bowl, and they come into the season being the team to beat in the AFC, and usually you don't expect teams like that to have great point spread records. If you remember Kansas City, the year after they won the Super Bowl, they were not great against the point spread. Cincinnati, something like 13-4 and four this year uh, against the uh, point spread. Of course, the point spread result in uh, last week and the week before against Baltimore could have tilted it either way, but that's still very impressive to have that good of a point spread record. And, of course, uh, the uh, Bills have won eight straight, going 4-4 four and four ATS uh, down the stretch, and the Bengals have won nine, going 7-2 and two, uh, ATS. And I think both of those spread losses, uh, which I charted, were against, uh, uh, were against the, uh, the, the Ravens. Uh, this is the more of the Four games, this is the one that I have perhaps the least confidence about, but I will be taking the points, although I do expect Buffalo to win the game. I think I made the score something like 23-20, uh, 24-20 Buffalo. So I think Cincinnati will be in there to the end, or maybe they'll have the lead and Buffalo will do what Buffalo does. Keep in mind, last week against Miami, Josh Allen, the horrible game. You talked about the fumbles and the interceptions. He was sacked seven times by the Dolphins. Absolutely was. All right, then uh, Dallas and San Francisco will close it out. Uh, total 46, the Niners only favorite favored by four here, Andy. I say only because a lot of people are thinking, well, maybe the Niners should be favored by maybe five or six in, in this situation, considering this team has won 11 in a row, and we've seen good Dak Prescott last week uh, against Tampa Bay, but again, you know, nice matchup for him, but we've seen a lot of bad Dak Prescott. I tend to agree with you. I liked Dallas last week. I also felt that line was too low, and maybe it was because the thought was going to be that money would come out, come in on uh, on Tampa Bay. And actually, the line actually opened. I know at the Westgate opened with Dallas three and a half. Didn't take very long for that line to go down below three to two and a half, and pretty much sat there the entire week. So the early movement did go towards uh, uh, Tampa Bay, but that was not the same Tampa Bay team that we've been used to. They struggled offensively all season, and did again last week against Dallas. San Francisco, uh, you take a look at uh, what they've done over the uh, second half of the season. Uh, they've reduced their turnover significantly, increased their takeaways decently, and even in the, in sacks, they were sacked 29 times in the uh, first uh, uh, nine games, only 18 times. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, they, could, they had 29 sacks in the first half of the season. They were sacked 18 times. Uh, they only recorded 18 sacks in the second half of the season, so that was down a little 
little bit, but now they're going up against Dak Prescott, which uh, may make it a little bit uh, more difficult for Prescott. The one statistical edge that I give Dallas, and the stats across the board are fairly even in most of the major categories. The one area where Dallas, or, excuse me, where San Francisco seems to have the best edge is in defending the run. Uh, the 49ers allow just 79 yards per game. That's 3.4 per rush. And Dallas is pretty decent, but still allowed a full 4.4 yards per rush. That's one yard per rush more and 129 yards per game, which is 50 yards uh, more per game. So I think that San Francisco, because of the diversity, and they don't ask Brock Purdy to do too much. Uh, They don't need need him to win games. He's got so much talent around him. I think San Francisco wins this game. Wouldn't be surprised if it's like 10 to 13 points. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, uh, the legend, Andy Isco. Long-time author of The Logical Approach, my man. Uh, I appreciate uh, the time, as always. Great stuff. Hey, and good luck to you this weekend, my friend. I appreciate any time being on with you, TC, and I especially enjoy your food reviews. There you go. Absolutely. Thank you very much, my man. I appreciate you chiming in with that as well, too. Well, and we'll definitely have to go get a... Got to get a bite to eat together, my friend. That's what we got to do. We can each take... I'll, I'll get over to the Westgate one of these Fridays. Love it. All right, Andy. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate take you. Take care. All right, there he is, Andy Esco. All right, one of my favorites. Again, been around a long time. Continues handicapping at a very high level. The logical approach. Go check out that out. All right, I want to thank Jay Cornegay for joining us. The vice president at the Westgate, the sportsbook. TJ Reeves joined us earlier from Tampa Bay. Talking about the breaking news of Tampa Bay firing offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich and B Sal, Brian Salmon over at News 3. Great stuff. All right, wrapping up the week tomorrow. A final look ahead at the divisional games. Looking forward to all four of those. And come on by, see the show live tomorrow at the Westgate between 2 and 4 p.m. Marco D'Angelo, one of our handicapper extraordinaires, will be joining us tomorrow. John Murray, the vice, uh, rather, the executive director. At the, at the Superbook will join us as well, too. That and a whole lot more coming your way. All right, if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, go find it. You can find it there through the website. That'll take you right to, to Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can check out the show there. The interviews, the blogs, everything. Classic interview page, current interview page, and uh, check out our featured interview up there with Steve Tasker, the former Buffalo Bill. And we talked about DeMar Hamlin and talked about the Bills and the Bengals this week. For Nubchuck, TC saying so long. Have yourself a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow, 2 p.m. at the Westgate, Las Vegas. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee.